it's been a little while and I've really missed you. So I'm looking forward to this new year, 2022. Here we go, fresh start, beginner's mind. In 2021, I thought I would do a series of Just Me podcasts where I would do Dharma talks, but it turns out that I had a lot of quiet time in 2021 and less outward time, more inward time. And now I feel that I'm really ready to go back to interviewing people because it's really the way I love to do this podcast, Ferocious Compassion. So today, very, very happy to share my interview with Sarah Selecki. Sarah is the founder and creator of Sarah Selecki Writing School. She's a celebrated writer and most recently published Radiant Shimmering Life, which I read a couple of years ago and absolutely adored. Highly recommend. Sarah is a creative writing genius, in my opinion, and she has this way of presenting her work, and it's, it really feels contemplative. It really feels like you're going inward, and you're accessing parts of yourself that you may not allow yourself to in day-to-day -day life. And I love how she really imbues writing as a skill that comes from study, and that inspiration comes from love and that both are necessary. Sarah says, you already love writing, you're a natural, and reading too. You don't necessarily wanna quit your day job to become a writer. And it's really not about money or fame. It's about taking the time to sink energy back into your right brain and doing the creative work you long to do. It's about the kind of self-care that comes from reserving that chunk of time to follow your heart. It's about craft and the embodied, unexplainable phenomena of magic. And we need fellow travelers, like-minded beings who've already carved out part of the path for you, as well as others to walk with, to talk about writing with, inside and out. You don't know what'll happen when you give yourself permission full permission to access your creative self. In fact, we believe that's the place that great stories come from. So beautiful and so needed. Without further ado, here's my interview with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. I am so thrilled to be here with you on Ferocious Compassion podcast. Mm -hmm. Hi, Jane. I'm excited too. Gosh, we've kind of been journeying together for a couple of years uh, <laughs> through <laughs> through the pandemic. Haven't we? Haven't we? You're kind of my like my point zero, my like ground point on this. <laughs> like, I mean, I, it's good that we're laughing. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. It's been we, a, we weren't know, always. We weren't always. No, we weren't always, but. And we'll get to this a little bit later in our session today, but you know, we're, we are going to Italy next spring. I know we're going. <laughs> and so before we get there, we're here today. And I just want to start by saying, I absolutely adore you. I adore your work. I adore the way that you present 
your whole being into your work as something that feels very contemplative and very mindful in a, in a really fresh way. I think that you're lending something that's sort of got a strength and a, a feminist approach, but it's also very inclusive for all people. And I'd love to kind of talk with you a little bit about how you developed your approach to teaching. How did, how did the, you know, the story of your childhood and how you got to where you are now, how did that sort of take shape and lead into, you know, stories, the state of mind and all of your beautiful work? (laughs) Um, First of all, thank you. Thank you for uh, meeting me and seeing me that way. And it, I really, I really love our conversations. It, you are so welcome. Yeah, it feels it feels really good to be seen that way. And this is a great question. And it's like, it's kind of, it's a big question. <laughs> indeed, um, indeed, it's a big question. But it is, it is, it does touch the heart of, of the work that I'm doing and that I've done up till now, and sort of also where I where I may be headed next. So it is something I've been thinking about a lot, a lot is my childhood and, um, and writing and how writing, not so much the teaching of it, which came out out of it through adulthood, but the place of writing and reading in my childhood, which was complicated and not easy. Explain Mm. just a little bit about that. You don't have to go into great detail. Sure. There's a lot of mental illness in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm an only child. And there was also some isolation on top of that. So not a lot of support through the, like I was, I I sort of had to figure out my own narrative of safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't have a lot of friends, didn't have any family nearby. And in my own family didn't have like a a safe person Mm -hmm. or a safe Mm -hmm. place. So writing became that for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that obviously at the time. And I think I'm just, you know, as, as I'm approaching or in well into middle age now, I see more and more um, insights around that. I, I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of writers come to writing from a place of like your your first best friend, mm. um, a place where you can uh, emote and figure things out and create stories out of chaos that make more sense to you. Um, you know, a lot of writers find uh, character work a place where they can find that friendship. A lot of writers find it in um, story, in creating stories. For me, I think it was on a really molecular, like on a basic level, I think it was like writing created a feeling of presence and truth. Like I could write something and then it was. So it was something I could count on. And that, you know, now I see how, you know, writing isn't therapy, <laughs> but mm. it is very therapeutic. Um, writing doesn't isn't magic, but it is quite magical and mm. it does this. And I think that, um, I think I see that what I learned from it without knowing, just sort of like making my way as a kid and as a young adult, I see how that actually does some real grounding work and embodiment work and mindfulness and presence work just in scene. I mean, a good, Mm -hmm. from a craft perspective now as an adult and as a teacher, I see that if you can ground yourself in detail in that way where you become the presence, the presence of the scene, whether it's fiction, whether it's imagined, whether it's 
poetry and you're just writing about, you know, a grasshopper that you see in a moment, the, it doesn't matter what the thing is that you're writing. If you can come to a place of presence in the writing, um, then you then uh, it does something to your nervous system. <laughs> And it also makes the writing shine. So that's what readers respond to, I've learned, is how present you can be in your scene while while writing it. It translates to a feeling of presence and emotion or character or craft or whatever it is that you're trying to emote. It lands in the reader. So there's this lovely, uh, there can be a lovely way where the when you're doing the work well yourself as a writer it's both grounding you in your person and it's creating a scene that comes alive for your reader and then it can create a feeling of grounded presence in the reader. Mm. And in that way, the circuitry just kind of, when it flows, it can flow that way. And it really comes to this place that, you know, came out of a need um, and trauma for, for me and I think for a lot of writers, a lot of us, a feeling of isolation, loneliness, or confusion. Um but learning how to ground in the art form of language without needing to explain or force or do anything, just to be present within language. That's the skill that turned into a kind of writing craft. It turned into something that, you know, I could put into books and stories. Mm. Yeah. This is so beautiful how yeah. you're how you're sort of painting a picture for us and an image really and it almost, I just had this thought about meditation because, mm. you know, going inside and meditating and, you know, getting deep with ourselves is such a challenge really for anyone. I mean, even the, the masters like Pema Chodron will say, I'm a miserable meditator. Right. And, you know, when you're describing your experience of loneliness and isolation and how that brought you into yourself deeper and really the writing almost feels like shelter from the storm. Yes. I think about that in terms of how, you know, as a society, we're, on the one hand, we're sort of talking all the time about wellness and how to, you know, take care of ourselves and really love ourselves better and all this. And I wonder about how that connects to, you know, contemplative practices like meditation and writing and basically <laughs> what you're speaking about, because... Mm -hmm. In your position, when you were, you know, developing as a young writer, you were also learning how to offer yourself love. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, isn't that it? You, you weren't, you know, you were, and I can relate. I have a similar story. You're not getting it in all the uh, sort of places that society or culture would say we're supposed to get it as mm -hmm. children. And so you're developing it for yourself. And that takes a very particular kind of genius. And then I wonder too, how that shows up. Like you say, as you get older, you see that more and more, how that can show up for us at some point in time is exhaustion or pushing away from the actual thing. The thing being the writing. Cause the it's, writing it's, that keeps yeah. us. I know. Yeah. yeah. I know it does. I think, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I, it's like, yeah, I do. It's the paradox. It's like, there's so many pieces tangled up in it. If we were alone as a 13-year-old <laughs> mm -hmm. with our diary, with our Care Bear diary, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that th – there's so much about being an adult and, and making – having some kind of identity that's associated with what you're doing <laughs> in yes. your diary, you know, that, that kind of like – 
uh, adds a little bit of tangles to the to the chords, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, also as we get older, uh, everything we've read, everything we've experienced, the relationships we've had, we have more insights. And I think it becomes, it's quite a vulnerable place to go. I think we, we may go back in a certain way to how we felt at 13 or 12 mm-hmm. or 20 or whatever. And, and there, there may also be, I don't know the brain science behind it exactly, but I imagine it feels as though there's something that's lighting up with alarm when you see the blank page and it's easier not to go there. Yeah. Um, in, in part, even though it's your best friend, even though you will be embraced once you start writing, once the ink starts on the page, the feeling, feeling the feelings themselves become part of, part of the magic. Yes. But there is a resistance yes. to feeling those feelings. I think, yes. and I think there's no, you just can't, you can't pretend otherwise when it's just you and the ink and the page. You can't pretend the way you can in small talk or the way you can when you're scrolling through sites about wellness <laughs> or when you're, when you're buying meditation cushions, you know, if there's a, there's something else in there <laughs> that you can't hide from when it's just you and the page. Um, so it's difficult. It's difficult and there's a paradox there for sure because it's the thing that's going to make us feel better and it's the thing that we resist at the same time. Mm, that's so well said. And I think about just how incredibly hard it is to write anything, let alone a book. I mean, <laughs> it's really, really, really hard. And yet it seems some days it seems like everybody's writing books, right? Like yeah. everybody in the whole world is writing and publishing <laughs> books. And I remember when I, when I published my first book, which is three years ago now, it was literally just sheer force of will that yeah. got me to the point of publication. I had want, I had that book inside me for years and then I finally just got down to it and it was truly just a matter of focus. And then I did have an editor helping me with technique and form, but it's, it's much more difficult. I'm learning to write that second book than mm. that first book. But yeah. I wanted I want to talk about so your beautiful course, uh, stories, the state of mind. Like, how what is your approach? I mean, how do you bring people into just be allowing themselves to open up to the process of writing whatever it is they want to write? Hmm. Um, well, the the course is now simplified to just the story course. So the title okay. of the story is isn't stories of state of mind, but that is, that was my found. That's the foundation of the course. That it's is, the same that's course. right. It's stories okay. of state of mind, also known as the story course. Okay. Okay. Um, it takes into account the process that, that we need to become, to be a, he- to be a healthy writer and have like a healthy writing life for the long term. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's. I like how you described the the sheer force of will for that first book. I, I me too, me too. My first book was sheer force of will. My second book, uh, very different, and uh, I needed to reacquaint myself with the relationship that I had with my own writing, um, okay. Okay. because the outcome we we start writing thinking the outcome is going to be the book, the story mm-hmm. course. Story course teaches craft. It's very it's a very rigorous craft. Like you'll get a good education in the course, but running and running through every lesson is this deeper sense that that you are in a relationship with your writing, and the Ooh. outcome is the your writing life. So then all the 
books you write and all the stories you create and all the everything that you create is not the outcome of your writing life. It is it is like a byproduct of a healthy relationship with writing where you try things, you you access a state of wonder, you master your craft in that state of flow which is challenging. I mean, part part of the flow state it's not you don't get into a flow state if you're not deeply challenged on some level. If it's too easy, you get bored. You fall off. You fall out of the you fall out of flow if you're bored. So there always is some challenge, which is really tantalizing and delicious when it's the when you know that it, with that that it's just just out of your there's something that you know how to do, but there's just something you don't know how to do exactly. So I've broken down the story course into ways that people can access that level of challenge where it still feels really good. And and then the other the other piece of that runs through everything is this it is the state of mind. It is like a a way of dropping into a kind of consciousness where you are collaborating, where it feels like you're collaborating with a creative source. You are not in charge of it. You are not in control. You 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 have enough for your ego to do that you can be surprised and touch and connect to wonder, imagination, <laughs> um, delight, pleasure in the process while you're still learning and creating something. So it's, it's, it is outcome focused in that you come out of it with something, you finish something, but the whole way that you learn, my intention is you connect to your creativity as a force, as an energy source, and you learn how to keep connecting to that energy source. I think it's a lot like mindfulness practice. I think it's like, you know, like you get to a place where you're like so much it's not forcing, it's a receiving of insight, it's a receiving mm. of detail, it's a receiving, it's like something has like cleared the fog away from your eyes so you see something that you could never force yourself to see and that comes with a receptive state of mind. And I think with language, so many of us are trained in our from when we were little in English class all the way up to like learning about philosophy, learning about legal arguments and rhetoric and learning like anything in English. Um, we think that it's in our control that language is ours to like turn it into something that can be true or not true. But there's an oh, yeah. art form that runs through it that requires us to be much more receptive and let go of all of that control. Um, so the trick, it's always tricky to learn how to be a better writer with skill while still letting go of the control and the ego. So that's what Stories of State of Mind, aka the story course, does. It's it's such a such a really awesome way of looking at it when you think about how it's so much about the I love what you said about the relationship that you have with your writing as mm -hmm. opposed to I'm going to write a book. Right. Because I have so many colleagues who they'll make an announcement, you know, at the beginning of every year, this is the year I'm writing the book. And then they can't get the book written, which I completely relate to. It's, it's tough. And yet I think it's because it's almost like it ties into sort of like productivity culture where, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? We're generating, yeah. we're generating these things that we can then put up over here and go, Hey, look what we did. We're accomplished. We're this, we're that. But then yeah. oftentimes, if you're just going down that road, you may get to the end of it and just go, what the, what just happened? Yeah. What yeah. did I do? So yeah. I love how you're talking about parallel tracks here of the mindset, obviously, but 
you actually have a process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's like a beautiful linear, nonlinear process that mm. comes back to first principles, kind of, of free writing in a particular way, kind of like in meditation, you continue to come back to the breath. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's similar mm -hmm. to that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think another piece that I just really want to say, we've talked about second, we've sort of circled around writing a mm -hmm. second book a couple of times. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like it might be a good time to mention that another thing I really believe deeply in is pleasure. Like you oh, gotta yes. love it. Like it wants it. Your story flourishes when you are loving writing it. It 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 like it's like the oil that just like makes it run is your pleasure. <laughs> Getting to no, be there. This this totally reminds me of a conversation I had with you, sort of like in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> where you were sort of coaching me basically about my second book, and you said. And I wrote this down and like put it on my desk for months. You said, Jane, you have to fall in love with this. Mm -hmm. I want you to fall in love with this. Yeah. Like give yourself that space. Yeah. And that was not easy for me because, you know, pandemic, everything was sort of falling down all around me. And I was like, how can I fall in love with it? Like how, you know, how can I receive this joy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you picked a fine time to jump into <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not all within I mean that was a that was Indeed. an extenuating time what I found eventually brought me pleasure is having a 90-day structure for my writing of my second book um I thought that I loved writing freely um pantsers or what or what people like us are called who like write with no outline and just go and go and go. Sure. I thought that that was what was going to give me freedom and pleasure, but I actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a Virgo. Oh, <laughs> I like things to be are. ordered. Oh, yes. <laughs> I like to have things in a little grid here and there so I can count on it. You know, I like to grow up around the trellis and, and, <laughs> you know, but I do like having a trellis. And so my pleasure was in checking off a like a little check mark every day. I got real pleasure from it. I began adding stickers to my daily, um, my daily wins, and I would like mark things off in that way. That worked for me. But what what works for you? Like it may take some trial and error to see what would make something feel like love and like fun. Like what would be a good date? What would be what would make you feel like? Is it having really good dark chocolate? <laughs> on yes, your desk? Right. Is it writing outside? Is it a certain playlist? Is it, um, is it having a writing, but like a lot of people love to create a habit with somebody else and, and just, it's really lonely to write alone. Um, a lot of, so, so having some kind of a buddy to share pages with becomes part of the falling in love. A lot of writers would prefer to be a hermit and it's just like being totally alone with earplugs is what makes you fall in love. So you get to try it out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm so I, I just the conversations around this topic are just so, you know, intense. And anyone who's ever written anything, you know, whether it's a blog post or a book knows that there's just a bit of mystique about it all. Mm -hmm. And even though I know this is what you do. I mean, you teach people, you help people write. But isn't it just to put that out there and say there's just there's there's a bit of mystique about this all, right? Oh, it's steeped in mystery. <laughs> it's very very mysterious. This is not I mean, I had a that's why I love the 90-day novel process because it gave me an illusion of a container 
when mm-hmm. the whole thing mm-hmm. is very mysterious. I mean, you're ta- you're creating something out of nothing. Yeah, that- and you know, it. I got really excited when I listened to your podcast interview with Christina Crook. Mm, yeah, and I love her so much. And yeah. you said something in that podcast, and I wrote it down. And I've been thinking about it for a few days now. And you said, or she said, one of you said, heaviness mm-hmm. kills creativity. Mm-hmm. Heaviness kills creativity. Yeah. yeah. And that also kind of reminds me of what happens when you're trying to write first book, second book, third book, any book. Mm-hmm. There's this feeling that comes over you that you've got to get to this place. And you're, you kind of have ideas, even if you're working with someone that's helping you, you kind of have all these ideas how you're going to get there. But can you speak more about that? Like heaviness yeah. kills creativity. Oh my gosh, that's so real. Much. No, it it's really real. And and you know, I was, one of the things that I was looking at and studying was um, creativity and fear based, like science science about fear, um, brain imaging and stuff. And like, it's actually it's actually a proven thing that creativity is. I think it's like almost biologically impossible to have cre- a creative impulse when the brain is in a fear state. And, you know, that's not exactly – like heavy- heaviness is, you know, up to the imagine. Like it's not – it's a subjective word. Um, yeah. But I think that there is something about feeling – what I see as like a light feeling, ease, calm, wonder. When you're connected to wonder and curiosity, you're not you're, – you're, it's an open end. It's an open mindset. And that's where creativity has to come from. And if you're feeling like I have to do this right, which is there's there's fear laced in the bottom of there because underneath that is like, or this isn't going to work. And then like all these things are going to happen that's going to, that I'm afraid of. So the outcome, having like this has to work or I have to do, I have to get this right. It, I think it necessarily makes it almost impossible to touch wonder or curiosity or be surprised by your own work or be surprised by what by what you may write what yeah, might, yeah. what the scene might come so <laughs> so heaviness kills creativity a state being in a state of calm is almost a prerequisite i would say mm-hmm. for for that doesn't mean you can't write under duress you can i think a lot of books are written under the under a mantle of heaviness. I think a lot of books, a lot of things are created that way. You can will your way through it as, as you know. <laughs> I've done that. Have, right. Like we it can be done. Um, but I think that I think that it's I just really stand for I'd really stand for delight and mm-hmm. pleasure. And one of the things that I've been looking at a lot and reading a lot about and experimenting with is a different story structure other than the hero's journey. Looking at the heroine's journey, there's a great book by the same name, The Heroine's Journey, written by Gail Carriger. There's another one called The Heroine's Journey that's also written by Maureen Murdoch. That's an I that's love a that book. volume. It's great. It's that book is a little bit more like um of a therapeutic or psychological like inner journey type mm-hmm. of writing, but the Gail Carriger's book is for writers, specifically writers of fiction. And she just beautifully outlines how romance <laughs> is the the pleasure and the delight and the the joy inherent in the genre of romance, mm-hmm. how it has been, you know, underappreciated, undervalued 
Yes. And that's, you know, it's patriarchal. It's patriarchy again, striking again. There they <laughs> and just are like, what, again. You know, saying that there's some, there it is again. Um, and as artists, as writers, as, as people who are living within that structure that is undervaluing pleasure and joy, it makes sense that we would turn towards heaviness as a way to feel um, like there's value in our work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That and burden's been laid on women. It has. That whole burden of, yeah. yes, let's carry yeah. it all. Let's just pick it all up and carry it right on over our back. And if you want to be successful and taken seriously, like there's no happy, like don't write about a happy ending. Let's problematize this and get through this and mm-hmm. you have to do this alone. And then there's the whole myth of the writer, that Hemingway myth that like just sticks around, which says yes. writing is hard, writing is hard, writing is hard. I think writing is challenging, um, but so is, you know, so is an adult coloring book. you know like there's a challenge to it that can still be deeply saturated in pleasure and joy you know it just it reminds me a little bit about falling in love Mm. sort of like if you could figure out how to channel that energy that you have when you're falling in love Mm -hmm. it's there's so much energy Mm -hmm. and there's so much yeah. Uh, openness and willingness and excitement and, and it's just like the vitality comes right through if you could just channel that into writing that's genius right yep. I, mean, I think you can I think you can I see that with my, I see it in my writers who go through the story intensive every year I mean they're just graduating this week um, so I'm seeing this happen right now where there's this feeling like the, it's like parts of their brain are lighting up. They're like – it's like mm. they've been fed can- creative candy. And back to back to the heroine's journey and back to heaviness, killing creativity and all yeah. of that stuff, I think that – I think that we don't have to do it alone. I think that when we connect and talk about our writing, but not just like the misery loves company, but actually mm. like yeah. talk about yeah. the love. Talk about the focus on the parts that make us feel sparkly, even if it's just a word. Like, where did that word come from? You know, there's an yeah. exercise that there's an exercise that I do, really simple one, and I start the story course with it. And I often start every writing practice session I do personally with it, which is just writing a list of words that starts with one letter. Um, so you can do this with every letter of the alphabet. So you just start with the letter B, and that is no, so fun. So fun. There's no, it's just you have a blank page, you have a pen that you really like, and you go really slow and you just write word after word after word. And you t- set a timer for three or five minutes. There's no sentence, there's no story, there's no scene. You don't have to get to the bottom of anything. There's no message, there's no idea. It's just language. So it gets you into the realm of language mm-hmm. right away. So it, li- it starts lighting up a different part of your brain. And because there's no real outcome other than, you know, five minutes and a list of words, that's what your ego kind of hangs on to and does, which is great. So it has a project. So it's not, it's not telling you you're doing it wrong. Um, and then as, you're, as you write word after word after word, you start to see thoughts come up. You start to notice thoughts come up judging like, oh, that word only has two syllables or that word only has one syllable. It doesn't count. And then you can just see how silly these judgments are like there's not there's literally nothing for us to do here except write a word down and then you start to see words appear out of nowhere that 
you didn't even think up. You start to see words that you do think up. You start to you. I mean, we could. We'll try it. We'll do it. We'll, we're going to do this in Italy, so we'll, oh. we'll talk through it. Oh, but the, this is the, this is it's yeah. <laughs> the lesson in it is like, huh? Even in that exercise, in five minutes, you can touch delight and wonder and magic. You can also go through all the things of like forcing a word or trying to trick yourself to find the word. You get to the point where you're like, oh, there's no word. I, I'm blocked. And then a word appears and you're like, huh, bumblebee. Why bumblebee? Where did that come from? I didn't see a bumblebee. Why of all words did bumblebee come in? And then that's touching a little bit of that magic. And <laughs> you're, um, you're really yeah. helping people. If, you know, it's said that we only use 4% of our brains. And I'm guessing when people are in your course, they're using more like, 10 or 15 percent a little of their bit brains. more yeah 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 that's the training that's the training is just to like um listen to give another part of your brain that is always there it's always there it's always noticing things and looking at things and taking things in it's just that there are other parts of our brain that are louder and more dominant and yeah. that's partly because of the society we live in and our culture and it's partly I don't know why it is. It's partly probably yeah. because of evolution. I don't know. But there are the creative side of our mind, the the side the the right side of the brain, um, you know, notices things. It notices things that connect. It's where metaphor and image and uh pictures, scents and mm. Um, mm. all of the senses, where all of that comes alive in a feeling of interconnectedness that all happens on the right side of the brain. And we can just like drown that out with the with the left side of the brain with all the logic and language a lot of language happens in the left side of the brain i mean it's a word names an idea it's like language lives there it's like math but the art of writing happens using language as a tool it happens on the other side of the brain so yeah a lot of my work is helping people access that other side of the brain there are lots of tips and tricks and techniques like i'm not i'm not the first one to do this artists through the you know, through the course of time, it's a time-honored tradition to try to figure out how to turn the logical side of your brain off long enough to make some art. Um, so that is what I, that's what I do. Yeah. And that is what we are, drum roll, <laughs> going to do in Tuscany next spring. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. April yeah. 24th through 30, we're going to be in Tuscany and mm. you are going to be teaching quiet mind, deep writing. Mm -hmm. Quiet and mind, deep noticing, deep noticing, excuse me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think we still have a few spots left and I, you know, listeners, this isn't like a sales pitch or anything, but it kind of is. I mean, we still have room in that retreat. So I'll shamelessly promote it um, mm -hmm. because it's going to be an amazing, beautiful week in Tuscany with it's Sarah Selecki. Amazing. And, you know, if you're, yeah, I'm, if someone is listening to this right now and any of this is like lighting up in their mind as something that sounds good to them, I think that they're the ones we want to be writing with. I think it's like we are – this is a network of quiet minds who are going to be connecting together. I am <laughs> so excited. Email. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. particular group is really unique. Everyone that's registered and, and has been communicating with um, myself and my team – we all, when we have our weekly meetings, we're like, wow, this retreat is really going to be amazing because it seems like you attract a certain genre of person mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe you can just give us like a little sort of sneak preview of what you're going to be focusing on. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, yes, I'd love to. I was actually just going for a walk outside today and and um, walking with my partner and saying like, oh, and when we're in Italy, we're going to do this with within, <laughs> within the nature in Italy. And so nature is a really big part of it. I think that it always has been a big part of my in-person retreats, but I think post-pandemic, that sort of the significance of the natural world and what it has to offer us has really sunk in, I think, even wider. There's been quite a ripple effect there. So we are continuing that. I'm going to be bringing people into nature um, with craft problems sometimes. So uh, whatever it is that you're working on, if you're starting something new or if you're stuck on something or if you want to like finish something um, or even if you're just an absolute beginner but you're ready to go really deep, then um, the, the, the piece that is nature-based is going to be like uh, the nutrients that feed that calm awareness that I was saying like creativity needs to have that um, calm state of mind in order to exist. Uh, nature really helps with that. So we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of um, time spent uh, in, in contemplation and also some active noticing. So we're going to like practice the state of mind that receives without forcing, without thinking, without thinking. So there's, there's going to be real magic. And this is what happens when writers get together to create together the signal of that, that signal, this is why I'm so excited about the group and why I like doing things in person when I do, because the signal gets so much stronger when we're not alone. It's just like, night and day. So whatever it is you're working on, whoever, if you're listening, whatever you're working on, Jane, your, uh, your connection to the creative source will go up. That volume is going to go up when you're in a group of people who are also tuning into that same. Ooh, I'm counting so, the days. I know. <laughs> At this point, I, I am know. counting it's, the I've days. I've got to sign up on my, on, like I've got the <laughs> calendar up on my door. I'm looking at oh. it right now. Yeah, we are getting we are getting so close. And Sarah, I just think this is a perfect time for us to sort of conclude our interview today. And I just want to leave you with such a beautiful wish for whatever's coming next in your work. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate you so much and the beautiful message and work that you're offering to the world. Thank you so much, Jane. It's such a pleasure to connect this way. Thank you. You are very welcome. Take good care. (laughs) Friends, thanks for tuning in with me today. It's always good to be with you. And you know, I love hearing your comments and how you're doing. We're all noticing that we need each other more than ever. And we need talking time as much as quiet time. So finding equanimity between both has great value for our well-being. I feel that winter can be a time of going within and doing some fun self-study. It doesn't have to be boring either or somber. Sometimes I think people think going within is going to be scary or it won't light them up or it won't really inspire them. But, you know, I like to teach people how going within will actually energize and empower them. And it's really like waking up a sleeping lion. 
So I'm excited that next month I'm going to be starting another cohort of my course within. And some of you already know about within it's my 10 week course where we do a lot of live calls. We have a lot of amazing writing prompts and exercises and really deep ways to connect with each other. And I'm guiding you through the whole thing. So it's very personal. If you'd like to learn more about the course and how to get in on it, you'll find a subscriber link in the show notes. So that will lead you where you need. And also feel welcome anytime to write to us at info at thejanereeves.com. And we promise to get back to you soon. Until the next time, stay well and keep the faith, my dear.